we knew that we wanted to invest in a learning management system. Um, we wanted to make sure that the experience wasn't just okay, like I have to watch these videos and um, read all this content. Uh, it needed to be this balance of interactive and a gamified experience. And how do we make sure that we can do it in a way that, you know, people want to learn uh, and get excited. And so we came up with this theme called Split Arcade. We uh, have seen like just great interaction and feedback from our customers in terms of using it. We've also spent and saved hundreds of hours of CSM time, we have seen definitely a dramatic increase in terms of number of sessions, number of actions um, that people are taking within uh, within Split. And so it's been, it's been really great, a great initiative. Hi, I'm Ted Blosser, CEO and co-founder of WorkRamp, where we're redefining the corporate learning space with the world's first all-in-one learning cloud for employee and customer learning. Welcome to the Learn Podcast, where we learn from the biggest leaders in SaaS and hear what makes them successful. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Learn Podcast. We have an amazing guest on today, Christina Singh, VP of Customer Success at Split. Split is the leading feature delivery platform for engineering teams, and they're also a WorkRamp customer. So thank you, Christina. We're excited to have you on today. Great. Thanks, Ted. Excited to uh, to have this conversation. Well, let's get started with probably the most softball of all questions. Give us a quick Cliff Notes background on yourself, and then we'll get going from there. Sure. Um, so as you mentioned, I'm, I'm VP of Customer Success here at Split. Uh, and I started my career in tech about 11 years ago. And prior to that, I, was, I started my career actually in the ad agency world. Um, so I've always say that, you know, for me, the common thread is uh, I've always been in front of customers. That's what I love to do, um, helping them understand what their pain point or problem that they're trying to solve uh, and helping them get the most out of the product or service that I represent. Uh, so that's what I, I love to do. And it's been quite an incredible journey. Um, and I'm looking forward to talking to you more about it. Awesome. And we'll walk through your your journey from ad agency to leader of CS at one of the top tech companies in the Valley. Um, actually, quick question. I was always a Mad Men fan. How, how realistic <laughs> was the ad world to that? What would you say? Did you ever watch any episodes? Uh, I watched all of the episodes of Mad Men. And I would say it is probably very realistic um, of uh, you know those uh, the, the way that they represented it. Obviously, it was very earlier in the age of advertising when it started. I wasn't part of it that at that point. But I can see the remnants of how um, it has then evolved for when I started in the ad world. And I started in the ad world in New York, um, and then I moved to the Bay Area to, to do advertising. And it's also quite a big difference in that. Uh, but in Mad Men, the representation of like New York advertising, the way that you approached and the way people dressed and, and talked to people, uh, very, I think, very accurate. Awesome. Hopefully minus the cigarettes and booze while you were, or daytime booze while you were working. Uh, I don't know about the daytime booze. There was no cigarette smoking in the office, but definitely actually in the evenings in the office, there was probably some cigarette smoking. Interesting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Well, I'm sure you've learned a lot from the industry. I was even reading, uh, I think it's called Ogilvy on advertising. So really great tips for even SaaS companies out of that book. But let's, okay, let's talk about your rise at a company called Rich Relevance. You spent about seven years there. You went from 
being essentially an IC customer success manager. And then that's really, if I, if I had to accurately describe it, that's really where you rose the ranks for the first time in tech. Tell us about how that shift went down. Did you have a mindset shift that uh, allowed you to have that meteoric rise? Give us some background around those years at Rich Relevance. Yeah. Um, you know, my time at Rich Relevance was great. I actually often say that the seven years that I spent there, um, it was like getting my MBA in tech. Uh, I actually left the ad agency world, um, had been a people manager there, um, was, was, was very successful. Um, but when I moved to the Bay Area, I was working with a lot of tech companies or companies in the digital space. And it was really interesting to, to me to learn about product development. And so I wanted to leave uh, the ad agency world to work in tech. Um, and the, really the only way I could do that at that time um, was to become an IC again and starting customer success. And so I took actually a little bit of a leap of faith and decided, you know what, like, let me just try this. If I hate it, I can go back. And I started and I actually found that a lot of what I learned in ad in the ad world helped me be a CSM, thinking about the customer journey, understanding those touch points, and really thinking about um, what's the end user experience versus just selling or, or the software or helping them use that software. But how does that really fit into the entire ecosystem that my customer was thinking about? Um, so that's what made me successful as a CSM. And then because I had that bigger picture view of the customer journey and the opportunity, uh, you know, it just naturally became um, a, a leader because that's what I wanted to do. Um, and so then I took on the customer success team. And then, uh, then I had the opportunity to also learn about professional services. And so my boss at the time, she came from a professional services background. We were just starting to move into that space. And she said, Christina, you know, would you be interested in learning about professional services? And I was like, well, I have no idea like how to deliver on services or what to do. And she was like, well, I'll, I'll teach you. Uh, we'll figure it out together. Uh, and I know that you have uh, what it takes to be able to do that because it's really about understanding customers, seeing the bigger picture, developing a methodology and packaging that up. And so she exposed me to this whole new world uh, and I loved it. And so really that was my rise at Rich Relevance was being curious, wanting to learn, and always take on more. And uh, that's what I loved about being at this smaller company at the time. And growing with it was, hey, if I wanted to take something on, I could certainly do it. Uh, and so it gave me a lot of those opportunities. You know, we have some great, it's such a great story. We have some great, um, our CSMs, we call them client outcome managers. They're kind of a hybrid of a CSM and account managers. And whenever I meet with them, I'm always curious for, for, People who want to rise the ranks over time like you have, what would you say, what would you give them feedback on in terms of advice? For example, like, would you say, hey, really understand um, the customer's pain points and solve those? Would you say, hey, spend your time on balancing your time wisely in an org and spending time with your executives? What, what advice would you actually give to people who want to rise the ranks like you did? at Rich Relevance. So one or two things. Yeah. Um, I'd say that there's definitely two things. One is know your customer's business better than they know theirs, especially in the enterprise. There are so many disparate teams and business units that aren't talking to each other, but you're talking to them. And you're like, hey, like this is what I heard and this is what I heard here. And bringing that conversation together, you actually don't... It's so powerful um, and helpful. So you build the relationship with those individual customers and then you bring together what you're trying to accomplish. 
Uh, I, then I'd say the other piece is about networking and whether that's networking internally within your organization uh, and making sure that you have a place to showcase your work and tell people what you're doing. Or it's also externally uh, making sure that you spend time, you know, meeting with others, seeing what the landscape is out there. Um, I'd say, especially in customer success right now, I, I think the landscape is literally changing as we speak, uh, which is exciting and scary at the same time. But um, I think definitely more so exciting. And so it's just about being able to keep on the pulse of that is networking and talking to people. It's funny. I was just talking to uh, my, my co-founder, Arsh, um, and we were looking at a few CS company websites. And I swear they're changing like every week because the messaging is changing because every company is changing so much, especially with the uh, introduction of, of AI really taking off. But you're totally right. Everyone is changing everything literally on a weekly basis right now. It's crazy. Um, yes. Okay, let's talk about, okay, so you go from CSM, you rise the ranks there to director, then you get a new opportunity to go into ProServe, but I want to shift gears from ProServe at Rich Relevance to you running the professional services team at user testing. Tell us a little about that transition to user testing and give us the lay of the land on what's important to know when you're running a ProServe organization. Yeah. Yeah. So like I said, you know, I, at, at Rich Relevance, I was just learning about professional services and I was able to really build that practice there. Um, and, but I had a lot that on my plate. I was uh, a new leader of a customer success org and a professional services team. And so I learned a lot and, uh, the, a recruiter at user testing reached out to me about the opportunity for professional services. And I thought, you know, this is a great opportunity to just really dig in deep into that area. Uh, and it was a much larger team that I would be taking on and having to grow. Uh, and at the time, you know, user testing was just in exponential growth. So it was also really exciting. And it was great to come in, have a more established team and then build on top of there. So that was really exciting for me. I learned a lot from what I had taken from Rich Relevance, which was I hadn't yet built like that center of excellence team within my org. And that was the first thing I did when I went to user testing. I own the professional services team, but it was really around creating this small team uh, around what are the best practices for how we would deliver services? What are the templates? Um, and by investing in that team, I realized that we could scale much more quickly. Uh, and that's what we were able to do then with partners and uh, you know bring on and take that thought leadership that we had in our brains and really put it out there. Uh, for our customers. And that really is what helped us build and scale that professional services team really quickly. What was, if you remember, what was the North Star of your, of your team at the time? Was it a revenue target or was it something else? Um, it was never a revenue target. We actually, um, you know, for us services, and my philosophy is always services is not about making money. It's about making sure you're supporting the SaaS revenue, um, whether it be renewals and an expansion. And so that was what our goal was. And we did that in, in many ways. We had customers at the time at, at user testing, our core persona was user researchers. And so user testing was about um, giving us insights to people um, in real time about uh, you know, how people were feeling about a product or a service or a mock-up. Um, and we were trying to democratize that to larger business units. So people, uh, executives or marketers, um, product managers, and so for us, the services team was about helping those other people who are not user researchers 
really understand how to get insights into customers. And so that was, that was ultimately our goal, um, in support of, you know, making sure customers were using the product, uh, and then upsells. And so that, uh, for us, that was our North Star. And we, you know, we did really well um, in being able to accomplish that. And we it was also because it, we changed our mindset, the way that the services team, when I had taken it on, it was very much about delivering spillover work um, versus having a perspective and a point of view and sharing best practices. And so that's another theme for me is, and I think about a lot of the companies that I have worked at in tech, it's about creating category creation. And when you're in category creation, it's around best practices and teaching the market how to use their pro- your product and why it's important. You might have hit accidentally hit a, uh, a <laughs> debate point, which was a point that's heavily debated, which is uh, ProServe shouldn't care about revenue. Let me actually dig into this just a little bit. Not care okay. about it, but, but let's say not focus on it as their North Star. So I was, I'll tell you the story. I was meeting with the CCO of a company. I believe they're about seven or eight billion in terms of market cap now. And he was giving me some advice. He said, Hey, Ted, your pro serve team at minimum needs to pay for itself, but you got to focus on on the revenue to actually make this a revenue producing function over time. And so it was interesting at minimum, we we weren't breaking even, we were losing money. (laughs) Yeah, obviously a much different stage than they were. But give us your perspective. What would you tell uh, your boss, the CEO, or 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 an executive who says, "Hey, I want you to go make money from pro services." What would be your response there um, if if someone came to you with that? I'm curious to your opinion there. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think it's it's not that you can't make money um, off of professional services. I think my number one goal is is that you at least break even, um, and then after that, I think it's about um, maybe ten percent um, is what you would want to make money off of. The thing is. I don't think you want to cannibalize if you work for a SaaS company, uh, you know, SaaS versus professional services. And so it's finding that line. The other piece is that a lot of times professional services isn't reoccurring revenue. And so if it isn't reoccurring revenue, you have a potential risk if you have too deep of a bench and you can't keep that reoccurring revenue um, coming. And so that's where I feel like partners end up becoming uh, the good opportunity there so that you don't have that much risk if yeah. for some reason, you know, you can't fill the bench. So it's just about understanding, you know, within your company, what is the goal that you're trying to achieve? Um, what is it? And it might be different at different points in time of where you're you're at in the market uh, and things like that. You're spot on. A lot of people don't realize filling that bench is is near to impossible. Think about you're a SaaS software with a very niche offering and you need to find an expert or train that expert up. That's a hard bench to fill uh, from a pro serve standpoint. And so you don't want to have too much exposure there. I don't think uh, enough people think about the bench aspect of, of pro services. It's a great point. Hey everyone, want to take a second to tell you a little about WorkRamp. WorkRamp is the all-in-one learning platform building what we call the learning cloud. The learning cloud powers all of your employee and customer education needs. Our guest here today, Christina Singh from Split, uses WorkRamp to power her customer education programs through what she calls the Split Arcade. So if you want to learn more about how Christina and other customers leverage WorkRamp, visit us at www.workramp.com. Let me switch over. Okay, so you do this awesome job at user testing. Uh, you run their pro serve team. And then uh, you essentially move over to 
split. So I'm jumping ahead just a little bit in yep. time. You move over a split and you get the whole shebang. You get to run all of CS. And I think this is the first time in your career where you're running everything. You're running the whole show. Um, correct me if I'm wrong there, but tell tell me about how that move went. Um, uh, was there a big learning curve and how you're doing in it now? Sure. Yeah. I mean, um, at Rich Olivens, I was definitely owning components of those pieces. Um, but, you know, I reported into a chief customer officer. Uh, and so here I, I, you know, I report directly into the CEO owning all of anything post sales. And so the reason why I wanted to make that shift was when I was at user testing, I loved what I was doing, but I felt too focused on just the professional services aspect. And while I had a great partnership with customer success and the L&D team, it felt like I had so much more to offer um, to see the bigger picture of what the opportunity was for the customer. And so, you know, for me, it's often, I I like to follow, I'm a, I'm a learner, I'm curious at heart. And so I like to go deep into things and then step back so that I get the perspective. And so it was almost the, the opportunity at user testing was great because I got to understand that partnership aspect and build that out, which I had failed at, uh, at, at rich relevance and then take that, uh, and come to split. And so at split, it was really around, um, looking at, like you said, the full aspect of the customer, um, scaling and growing the team and thinking about what is our vision, um, and how are we going to, you know, approach that with our customers? So I felt like it was a really good opportunity for me. Um, to build from uh, almost scratch in terms of, I mean, we had a team of eight, we're now a team of 21, uh, and, but really to refine the vision of a CSM. As an example, in the very early stages of Split, we hired customer success managers who were more generalists. Uh, they you know, managed the customer. They were also a bit technical because we have a very technical product. Um, but when you start to grow, you need more specialties. Uh, and so that was the evolution of our team. And so then I, it was a great opportunity at, at, because, and it's been a great opportunity because I've taken a lot of the things that I learned in my prior two companies, things that were successful and also things that I, you know, maybe would have done better. Uh, and I brought it into what we're doing here at Split. And, uh, so far, you know, I'm pretty happy and excited with it. Um, like I said, I've also, I'm doing some new things like, um, a lot of a lot of what we're doing right now in customer success is automating and digitizing, um, and you know doing work that's asynchronous for our customers. And so that's been a tremendous focus and an opportunity for us, uh, and it's pretty ex- exciting. That's awesome. I actually want to dig into that just a little bit as well. Too, you use WorkRamp for um, what you call Split Arcade. It's your customer education site. Tell us a little bit more around. Split Arcade, how you're thinking about scaled CS, how that plays well with, let's call it your more high touch approach to give us the background on, on Split Arcade. Such a cool initiative. Yeah. Yeah. Split Arcade was started uh, as an idea maybe a little over a year and a half ago. Um, I remember we were sitting in an executive team offsite and we were just saying, like, how are we going to get, you know, hundreds and thousands of engineers onto using split at scale. Uh, you know, there's this tremendous opportunity, especially with our enterprise customers who are excited, but you know, the numbers just don't add up in terms of being able to onboard all these people and having, you know, multiple CSMs. Um, so we knew that we wanted to invest in a learning management system. Um, we wanted to make sure that the experience wasn't just 
okay, like I have to watch these videos and um, read all this content. Uh, it needed to be this balance of interactive and a gamified experience, especially for our persona. It's that engineering persona. Um, and how do we make sure that we can do it in a way that, you know, people want to learn uh, and get excited? And so we came up with this theme called Split Arcade. And uh, it took us probably about like six months end to end to get the official launch of it. So it was pretty quick um, in terms of choosing the tool, coming up with a theme and creating the initial content. Um, and it's been a lot of fun. We uh, have seen like just great interaction and feedback from our customers in terms of using it. We've also spent and saved hundreds of hours of CSM time, uh, you know, in terms of doing onboarding. And other great feedback that we've heard from customers is, you know, we've had longtime customers who've been customers for Split for like two or three years, and we've had them go through the arcade. And they're like, wow, I actually didn't realize that this feature existed, or I knew about this feature, but I was too scared to try it out. But through your explanations uh, in the Split Arcade, it's made me realize that, okay, I should go and try it out. Um, and then the last thing I would add is that when we've looked at cohort data um, from those users who have used Split before... I'm um, getting the split arcade training to after we have seen definitely a dramatic increase in terms of number of sessions, number of actions um, that people are taking within uh, within split. And so it's been it's been really gr a great initiative. I mean, actually, much uh, more fruitful than I even thought in terms of how people are, are, are uh, engaging uh, with the platform. Well, kudos on tying back the the education activity back to the ROI. And I also want to commend you on, I think this is one of the best marketed customer education sites I've seen. And and you're right, engineering engineers love gaming and you put a really good theme and wrapper around it. So encourages uh, heavy activity. So that is a super cool initiative and I'm glad you're seeing a, a ton of success from it. I want to shift gears out of split into more of a, a personal accomplishment and then we'll go into the lightning uh round uh what we call the learn rapid fire round at the end of end of it here but let's sure. talk about something i found in my research actually actually in doing research for this call i saw uh or for this for this podcast i saw that uh you were featuring a book called pressing on as a tech mom and my wife and i debate this all the time because <laughs> and, and she works uh, in tech as well. And we see people dropping out of the workforce all the time. And so we actively discuss this and we see it at our, our kids' school as an example. Tell us about uh, being a mom in tech, this, how you were featured in this book, quick, a quick uh, synopsis on, on uh, what, you, what you were sharing there. Great. Yeah. Um, wow. This topic is actually very important to me and more important than I actually ever, have ever realized it was going to be um, in talking about being a mom in tech. Uh, and it really started from my own journey of becoming a mom and it was something that I always wanted, but, you know, I was actually a little bit unsure of because I loved my career. Uh, I am just someone who loves learning and digging in. And uh, I was concerned about, you know, could I do both? And, but, you know, with a lot of things in life that I do, I was just like, I just have to go for it and, and see what happens and see how it unfolds. And so when I was at Rich Relevance, it was, uh, I was probably the first employee that was pregnant 
to, and we were trying to figure out like what was going to be our maternity leave policy <laughs> and, and all of that. And so it was pretty interesting because um, I actually helped to be able to pave the path for what our leave policy would look like. I also had a really amazing boss who supported me um, and was an advocate to make sure within the HR team um, that we created a policy that was pretty flexible uh, for us. And so I was able to take a good amount of time off, about four months off, um, to spend with my my daughter when I had her. And it was a great experience. Um, but I was also ready to go back to work after that. And what I realized is, and this is what I talk about in the book, is that actually motherhood, motherhood made me more successful in my career and actually allowed me to, um, I'd say, be where I'm at today. Because being a mom made me really hyper-prioritize uh, what I'm focused on and uh, not spend all the time always in all of the details. I love the details, but it's important to understand the context and then zoom back out and figure out, okay, what do you need to do next and how do you prioritize? So that's really what I talk about um, in my chapter in the book, which is chapter 14, is how you know just motherhood made my success because uh, instead of just spending endless hours working on things, I, I had to figure out what's most important. Um, and how I was able to participate in the book, I just had um, a friend who had heard about, um, and she's also featured in the book, and she said, I, I think that you'd be great to participate in it. Um, the two women who um, have written the book, um, Amelia and Sabina, um, they're great. They're in the customer success world. Uh, and they're really also advocates for mom. Uh, and I'd say the last thing is the reason why it's really important for me to have these conversations is because, as I mentioned, at first I was hesitant. Uh, and then as I became a mom, I continued to talk about that, hey, I'm a mom, I work in tech. And I was meeting a lot of women working in tech and saying like, I can't believe how open you are about talking about your children at work or that you're a mom and that you have to go and pick up your kids. And they're like, I've, I'm scared to talk about that. And so I realized that as I continued to rise up in leadership positions, it was that much more important for me to talk about that and understand that I am balancing those things. Um, but just because I'm talking about my children and my family doesn't mean I'm using it as an excuse of why I can't do something, but it's because it's the context in which I make decisions and who I am as a person. You know, I'm picturing a chart. If you think about <laughs> two lines you could graph, one would be your career progression. And I would say it highly correlates to your, let's call it your responsibilities being a mom or personal responsibilities probably go hand in hand with how well you've actually progressed in your career. And you're spot on. It's because you probably learned how to become an even more effective leader uh, becoming a mom. So that's so great to hear. Yeah. Awesome, I'd awesome say the, featured. Yeah. And I think the other thing actually is empathy. Uh, that is the other piece that really, it's not just about the prioritization, but it's around the empathy that it brought me in becoming a parent and understanding that everyone has a lot going on and there's different contexts. And you that's why it's so important for me to understand who people are, whether that's um, my customer um, or people that are on my team so that I can figure out, okay, like this is, this is what mo drives and motivates people. And yeah. that's as much as important to me of understanding okay, what's your business priorities along with just who people are um, because we're humans and that um, allows us to figure out how we connect together. To bet our kids don't have empathy for us. They, they People <laughs> listen to us at work, but not at home. <laughs> so exactly. Exactly. Right there. 
Exactly. I always say, um, you know, the real work begins on the weekends because the kids yes. have off, they're not at school. And at least at work, people generally listen to what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. And at, at home, the kids are just like, okay, whatever. I'm still going to do what I'm going to do. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Christina, this has been an amazing conversation. We're going to close off with what we call the learn rapid fire round. I'll give you um, basically a, a simple question and then give us back a one to two line answer. First okay. one is going to be, what is one podcast, book, or blog you've learned the most from? Oh, one. Okay. Um, I would say I love listening to How I Built This uh, as a podcast. And it's just so interesting to me to hear about these different entrepreneurs and their experience and how they navigated rejection or uh, failure, uh, as well as the, celebrating those moments and the things that have made their careers and companies successful. Guy Raz, one of my favorite. And I feel like everyone goes on a show invented like a, a new iced tea and made a billion dollars. Yeah, so I'm looking for exactly. yeah. <laughs> All right. Next one. What is one topic you want to learn more about in the future? Let's say if you get into retirement, had all the time in the world, what would you go learn? Anything? Ooh, what would I learn? Anything? Uh, I would probably learn how to swim. I'm a really bad swimmer. And so maybe that's what I would learn is just, um, I think it'd probably be good for my mental health and exercise as you get older. So I'm, I'm in the same boat with you. I'm, I belong to this club and I'm like, I wish I was a better swimmer. My, my eight-year-old daughter swims way better than, than I do. Okay. Last one. This is back to the career advice theme. If you were talking to someone uh, early in their career on the CS side, what is the biggest piece of advice you would give them? I think the biggest piece of advice is be curious. Uh, you know, be curious and look for the opportunity. Go for where the opportunities are and uh, explore your curiosity. It's not about in the beginning about the money or the title uh, because that will come later on, but making sure that you learn about those experiences uh, and follow your passion and, and curiosity. That's great advice. Well, Christina, we'll wrap here. Thanks again for joining us. This is an amazing chat and we'll talk soon. Perfect. Thanks, Ted. Thank you everyone for joining. We hope you enjoyed the episode and remember, always be learning.